Hello everybody, this is Andre and you are on the Marketing Innovation Podcast Show. Our special guest for today is Dan Maga, who is the founder and CEO of Maga.io, an analytics and marketing technology consultancy. He's also known as one of the original growth hackers and he has led the teams of uh, Kissmetrics and UTM.io, to name a few. Uh, and today we'll discuss about marketing automation, personalization, hacks and trends, as well as how to best optimize your funnels for conversion. Hi Dan, how are you? How's the morning going? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Same here. Exciting times. Uh, really, really cool to to kick off the episode on the sort of marketing technology front right away. I think uh, there's going to be quite some popularity about the subject, mainly now as we are in the holiday seasons and online shopping and, you know, online in general has been uh, <laughs> reaching enormous <laughs> levels yeah. of popularity. Um, so um, let's uh, let's see where to get things going. Tell us a bit about you. Tell us, uh, you know, uh, what you are into, what you do at the moment with your company, as well as uh, where you started, how you've been growing in this space. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been in the marketing and technology space for over 20 years. So I got my start back in 1998, sending mass emails since before there was even mass emails. So the easiest way to kind of summarize my career is I've just seen some shit, right? So, um, so definitely have been through MarTech for a long time. Uh, like you had mentioned, I was the head of marketing at Kissmetrics. So was one of the pioneers in the analytics space. I'd worked with them. Uh, and I also own a couple of MarTech companies now. So definitely really busy. Um, today, though, I mean, running Maga.io, I mean, we're a MarTech and analytics agency. So we help companies pick tools, integrate them, ultimately operate them, and then use those tools to accelerate their growth. I would have to say most of my time nowadays is really focused on sitting in meetings, uh, finding out like what are the new possible trends are going to come out, and then writing about those kind of trends. So I have a lot of content that's out there. I do a lot of a lot of interviews and stuff like that. Um, so it's a lot of fun. I can't really complain. And COVID, it, while it has sucked, um, everybody is going digital. Everybody's trying to figure out how to transform. Um, so for our business, it has actually been something that's kind of caused us to uh, be really busy. Uh, we doubled our company this year. Um, so we continue to grow. Uh, and we'll, we're going to quadruple the company next year. So uh, while COVID is still miserable, uh, I'm very lucky that I live in Florida where it's hot. Um, so like we don't have as much uh, restriction here. Um, so, so far, it hasn't been the end of the world for me. Mm -hmm. Super. So tell us a bit more about, uh, I mean, let's let's go strictly into this sort of analytics uh, tracking space, because I, I think you probably saw everything from the beginning, right? So you mm -hmm. <laughs> you saw the technologies coming up and then them not integrating with one another and then having to solve the issue of tracking source, et cetera, et cetera. And mainly, I guess, uh, from a marketing leader's perspective, I think you also had felt that pain and the resolution. So tell us... Yeah. Um, Historically, what uh, tell us a bit, you know, about you? Let's let's get to know you a bit as a as a person and as a professional yeah. as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, just I mean, to start out with a little bit about me as a person, right? So, um, I live in Orlando, Florida, which is a is a great place to live. Uh, definitely is not a tech hub in the United States. Uh, it's a cool place. Disney World is here and stuff like that. Um, so, but I love living here. It's a great place to raise a family. I have three kids, ranging from fifteen all the way back to six years old. So, uh, my nine year old's right smack in the middle. Um, so, we do a lot of a lot of stuff around that with my kids. Um, and we're super big into baseball, which is all statistics driven, right? If you really look into all sports, like baseball is the one that's most focused on the data all the time. Um, so that that's a nice blend of kind of my uh, day job and being in analysis and statistics uh, and then also in baseball because it's constantly looking at the numbers. So uh, that's definitely a lot of fun. But um, I would definitely say that like, my entire career, I've been focused on technology. I mean, I was very lucky as a kid uh, to be given a computer at the age of four years old. So even when I type now, I don't use your standard home 
home row kind of uh, typing style. My it's a little bit all over the place, but I can out type my most people just because I started so early on a computer. And, and when I was four, right, MS DOS was the only way that you could get into a computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Windows wasn't around yet, uh, things like that. So um, that was that was how you had to use a computer was code. Um, so I got good at code uh, at a very young age. Uh, and that's kind of what got me into technology so much is that I was always on a computer. And that was was kind of my passion, right? Was um, always being on a computer. I mean, I started my first company when I was 13, uh, built that company until I was 19. And then, of course, uh, exited that business. Uh, it kind of failed, but also turned into a success all at the same time. Um, but I got my start in technology in the music industry, right? So nice. I was in marketing of the music business. Um so I've always been in tech, right? Uh, I've always been heavily, heavily involved with what it was. And it's been awesome to see the, the industry change over the past 20 years. Um, definitely from going from, hey, there, there is no tools to developers like building out in Silicon Valley to now seeing it where people have software everywhere um, and things are growing across the country. So it's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, been a lot of cool tools. There's still a lot of cool tools to come. Uh, and I think that's what gets me most excited is that there are still problems. Now that we have all these tools, there's problems with the tools. So new tools are created on top of other tools. And that process is going to continue to keep happening. Um, and, and that's what led to the blossoming of UTM.io, one of our own products. Is There was a problem uh, on top of Google Analytics and other analytics platforms. So we solved that problem. Um, so there, there's a lot of things that happened. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So tell us uh, a bit about your work with the with your own agency at the moment. Like, how do you work with companies? Just to get a bit more context for our discussion when we go into the nitty gritty. Yeah. So there's two times that a company typically comes to us. So the first one is, hey, they lack visibility into their customer journey. Or two, now that they have visibility into their customer journey, or they even while they don't have it, they want to be able to engage with people during that customer journey. And those are the primary root causes of somebody really working with us. Um, that being said, most companies come to us when they need us to help them pick their tools. Uh, they want to figure out what marketing automation tool should I use? What type of CRM should I be using? How should I be integrating all of these tools together? How do I get all this stuff uh, cohesively working together. Uh, We do a lot of implementation, so connecting, uh, whether that be marketing automation with your website. We do a lot of customer data platform work, so connecting segment in with your website and your web application and your product to make it so that data will flow in analytics amongst all the other tools. We do a lot of amplitude amplitude implementation as well, a lot of business intelligence work. So now that you have all this data, we dump it into a warehouse, we provide you the analysis on top of that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of integrations work. We're known as a systems integrator. And then we also run the tools for companies. So some companies... um, um, they don't have the team that can help them manage all of these tools. So we become their outside biz ops, dev ops, um, marketing operations, rev ops, um, any of those uh, operational capacities. We do that for a lot of companies. And then we also have a lot of companies which work with us to do conversion rate optimization. So now that I can see my customer journey, how do I A-B test my way to make sure that that is successful? And how do I maximize my conversions in there? Um, so all of it is focused on the middle and bottom of funnel uh, of really optimizing revenue. But we look at it through the lens of data and the tools uh, to really get that going. Because as a, as a marketer nowadays, um, if you're not really technical, you're really dependent upon a company like us um, or you're dependent upon engineers. And at the end of the day, if you're a marketer dependent upon engineers, those engineers don't know what you're trying to do. Um, and like, there's typically an argument or a war there. Um, we very much get inserted in between those arguments to make both sides happy. Um, 
But I, I, that kind of uh, we become the technical side of your marketing team and manage all of that infrastructure. Um, so that's it from a high level uh, in regards to that stuff. But um, when people want to work with us, we always start out with a diagnostic. So come in, diagnose all the things that are doing it, uh, what's happening, what's wrong. We write a strategy and then we jump into a multi-month retainer where we roll that stuff out. Um, so we always try to make sure that we everybody agrees to what the problem and the solution is first before we jump into a, a project. For anybody who's going to be watching this that, that runs an agency or anything like that, if you're not doing a diagnostics and then going into the project, I would recommend really doing that audit stage first. Um, because if you don't, you're going to wind up in a program which you're going to, you're going to fail in and nobody's going to be happy at the end of the day. Really, that upfront work is really important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agree. Super. So um, considering most of our audience here is marketing people or uh, marketing leaders or entrepreneurs, uh, as well as yeah. a bit of sales. Uh, let's see. So basically, typically in the role of a marketing leader, you'd be the one responsible for building up your tech stack and running the marketing department, whether that's a one-man band or a multi-person type of department. So I think, uh, qu- well, a sort of an issue, but not really an issue, more of a set of questions that everybody has been having on their minds lately in the last couple of years at least, was what should a tech stack contain and how to best make it work together. Uh, Most people probably are using some technologies. Uh, Some will be linked better than the others. But um, if you were to build up a tech stack from scratch today for a company, let's say a medium-sized company, what elements would you be looking at and how would you be looking at integrating them in such a way that it's not too many that is unmanageable? And also, you, as, as we discussed a bit earlier as well, you keep track of the uh, sort of conversion path and the tracking that it needs to happen through the funnel. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, with a, a, any company, right, the, the first question you have to ask, of course, is how much budget do I have, right? How much money am I actually able to spend on this? I think that's a really important thing. And that will narrow down uh, ultimately what we need to do. But I think the most commonly overlooked part of your MarTech stack is your website. Most people don't even think about their marketing site as part of their technology stack or part of their marketing stack. And that's something that I think is really, really important. Um, the first stage you have to work on is with that. And if you have a custom-built website, which is built by your development team in React or Angular or all these things, um, for me, that's kind of a bad way to approach it. The reason why I say that is because as a marketing team, you need to be able to make changes quickly on that website. If you're always dependent upon a development team to do that, I think it's a really bad step forward. And then on top of that, another thing you have to take in consideration is whenever you want to get tracking set up on that website, um, it's going to be even harder to do because, once again, you're dependent upon the engineers. And depending upon what those engineers are big fans of, let's say that they're using Gatsby, right, which is a brand new CMS language out there, Gatsby.js. Um, it's it's going to be really hard to track, right? And it's going to be really, really difficult to make sure that you can get all of your, your tracking set up on those websites. So I think the CMS is going to be one of the most important parts you have to think about. Um, we highly recommend to companies to leverage WordPress, especially marketing teams. It's really cheap. It's really flexible. It's easy for teams to use. Um, marketers are very familiar with it. And it's also built on the general internet, right? It still uses HTML and CSS for the most part. So it's, easily to tra- it's easy to track. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not telling you, like if you're an e-commerce company, naturally Shopify is a great solution. So definitely leverage Shopify in those cases. Um, but if you're if you're trying to go like the direction of Webflow, right? I think it's a cool solution. But at the same time, 
it's just like WordPress, right? There's really not that much of a difference. And for everybody's like, oh, it's a drag and drop thing. Yeah, if you want to create a custom page, you still need a developer. If you want to be able to do custom stuff, you still need a dev. Um, the problem is, is with Webflow is that it adds all kinds of complications into tracking, right? Nobody is familiar with it as, as they are with WordPress. And for me, I try to use technologies where I have a large access to people who can work on that for me at any given time. WordPress, huge access to a bunch of people. So I think the CMS is, is a really, really big component of that. Um, and you can, of course, look at other CMSs like Contentful and a lot of these new headless ones that are out there. Um, there's a lot of opportunity there. But I always tell people like, hey, keep it simple, keep it super, super sweet, um, and go with something like WordPress to keep your life easy. Mm -hmm. um, but when we think about building out the rest of that stack, right, it, the CMS is something that we're heavily dependent upon. So if that CMS is built well, it makes it really easy for us to be able to lay Google Tag Manager on top of it. And if you're not using Google Tag Manager, you definitely have to. Tag Manager is really good. A marketer can learn it with three hours of online courses. Um, it will make your life much, much easier and much more flexible. So making sure that you use an easy CMS tied with a good Tag Manager is going to be super, super helpful. But I would say the next component is, of course, like you need to start figuring out what is the marketing automation tool I'm going to use? Do I need to have a CRM separate from my marketing automation tool? So a Salesforce, a pipe drive, anything like that. Um, and you have to start understanding what analytics tools you're going to use. You can use Google Analytics, which I think is great for everybody. You should probably also use a product like Amplitude, uh, which is a free analytics product, uh, but it gives you much more behavior tracking, a little bit easier for people to use. You have to start getting curious around all of these different questions on what your problem is. And I can't make that decision for you, but the tools that I would quickly recommend, marketing automation tool, naturally, everybody always knows of HubSpot. They know of Marketo. They know of Pardot. I recommend Autopilot. Um, Autopilot, hands down, my favorite marketing automation tool out in the space. It is purely an automation tool, works as a platform. So I would get that definitely set up. I would highly recommend if you need a CRM. I recommend Salesforce for anybody who's looking to grow their business. Um, as a smaller business, if you're not looking to really grow, I would recommend a product called PipeDrive. Uh, mm -hmm. Really, really, both of those integrate well with uh, Autopilot. So I think that would be the next stage. And like I had mentioned with analytics, you always need Google Analytics no matter what. But I would highly recommend layering on Amplitude on top of it. Both of them are free analytics products. They provide a different view of the world. Uh, and those things would get set up. Now, the thing you have to think about with a stack is you have data that needs to flow into all of these tools, right? And the typical way to do that is to integrate leveraging Google Tag Manager and then sending that data into each one of these tools. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is when you have to integrate four or five tools, that means you have to in integrate four or five different tools in their own native syntax. And when you add in Facebook ads, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, Pinterest ads, all these other technologies you're going to have, that most companies have over 25 different technologies, it's a lot of integration time. And then if you need to switch, it's a lot of switching time as well. It really, really sucks. So there's products out there known as like customer data platforms. Um, CDPs is what they, they go by as the acronym. I highly recommend getting one of those. Um, really is successful. It becomes the hub of your stack and everything integrates with that. So mm -hmm. your website integrates directly with the CDP. You would send all of your event tracking to that CDP. The CDP would distribute that information to other products. Um, the CDP will save your developers a ton of time in regards to implementation. So literally, you're going to spend one-fifth the time in implementation. Um, so that saves you a ton of money. But it's also going to give you cleaner, more accurate data. Most common companies that you'll hear about, Segment, they just got acquired for $3.2 by Twilio, which is a great company. Mm -hmm. Segment can get a little pricey for some of the startups out there. Um, so there's other companies out there known as uh, MetaRouter, which is another popular CDI, um, CDP. And then there's also Rudderstack, which is a new open source version of those CDPs. But there's tons. If you're a mid-sized company or a big company, um, there's a ton of customer data platforms out there from BlueShift to BlueConnect to Axiom to um, 
Salesforce has their own CDP now, which it sucks. So just don't buy that one. Um, segment, of course, I had mentioned already, but there's, I think there's 85 different CDPs. We had done a research study on customer data platforms um, about a year ago for a big uh, company. Uh, so we had to review all of them. If you were to go to our website, maga.io, go to our blog, it's in the footer, um, look for the customer data platform one, and it'll explain what is the value, why would you choose them, what are the three different types of CDPs, mm-hmm. um, because that's becoming the, the hub of the stack moving forward. So even though we already talked about a lot of tools, that CDP is going to be a big thing that you need to focus on as well. Mm-hmm. Got you. That's very insightful. So uh, do you have a favorite CDP that you use? We use Segment the most. So by far, hands down, we use Segment the most. They're a big partner of ours. Uh, and then I would have to say MetaRouter would be second in line from that one. But we use them in very, very different search situations. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think a good a natural flow from here would be, um, okay, let's say we have a company that uses, you know, like traditionally they were not using a CDP. So they were using, uh, you know, they were the top of funnels strategies or tactics, which would be driving inbound traffic from Facebook or Google or Instagram or wherever, depending on the industry uh, and the type of the company. Uh, And then uh, Google Ads, and then they were tracking everything, let's say, in Google Analytics. Let's say they were using a tag manager for this. Um, But I would like to get with you in this space of marketing personalization and automation, because, because I think this would get us to talk really deep stuff <laughs> and exciting as well. So, uh, and this is what a CDP does, right? Like it helps you automate and personalize much better the marketing communications. Um, if you were to j- jump into or to look from outside at this type of company that runs all these strategies, they say, let's say they are a medium size, medium sized company. Uh, how did how could they ca- use a CDP? Pr- tactically, in order to get to a best case scenario or ideal scenario for running their marketing operations in a traceable manner? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the greatest benefit with a customer data platform, a CDP, is naturally the fact that it enables you to track all the data and then store that in a very, very structured way so it can be leveraged in the future. There's a lot of different ways that these CDPs can be used, but I think the most common one is that once we know certain attributes about a user, we can take a certain action and make something happen. So whether that be, hey, we know that they purchased uh, three items and we know that they hit their uh, $100 value, we want to add them to this retargeting pool, right? Mm -hmm. That's what the CDP will really allow you to do. Um, You don't always need to use the CDP to do that. We can do a lot of those personalization and managing of the uh, customer data by using products like Autopilot, which is one of the reasons why I really like Autopilot is it's super flexible, allows you to do all kinds of automation. But the customer data platform, I think when I think about most CDPs, the biggest value they provide is I only have one place to send my data and then they distribute that information out to all the other tools. And this is really, really helpful because I don't have to make five different integrations or different integrations. I just have to make one and then they they distribute that data to the other tools. And that's where I think the, the value of the personalization really lies is the fact of it's no longer hard to get all of this data somewhere else. Right. And really, when you think about a stack, the reason why it's, it's really valuable is that it's all connected together. Um, the, if you want to be successful in modern marketing, right, you, you don't want me or my, my clients to, to basically kick your ass in marketing. You have to understand that the reason why we're successful at marketing is because all the tools are integrated. All the data from everywhere is being pulled back into one place, um, if not being mirrored across all these different tools. So we actually know all of the information about the customer. So when you think about a normal customer record, most companies have little bits of customer data spread throughout all of these different tools, and they don't try to get it all back into one place. 
when you get it back into one place, you're then able to make a lot more actions on it, right? You're able to actually know what's going on to the customer. And you'd be amazed the number of companies that don't know the amount of revenue a customer has spent with them in their marketing automation tool. Most companies don't have that, that known at all inside it. They only have it inside their analytics product. But from when we think about using a customer data platform, we now have every single action, every single value, every single thing they've ever done being sent into all of our tools. So now I not only know that they've purchased six times and their total revenue amount is my analytics tool, but I also know that same exact answer in my marketing automation tool. I also know that inside of my CRM, um, I'm able to use that data to be able to send over to Facebook that I want to change this person's audience pool. Um, so the CDP for me is not necessarily just the CDP has the knowledge to do the personalization. It's the fact that you can get this knowledge to every single tool in your stack um, where that data is needed. And I'll try to provide a little bit uh, more context is like when you think about Salesforce CRM, the sales reps are working out of that tool every single day. Never before have people been able to really successfully get their web behavior data sent into the CRM, right? There's some fields that get updated. But if you set up your stack correctly, right, you're able to take all that information you have from that user's behavior history online, be able to mirror that even with customer data enrichment, right? So pulling in third-party data and then set that inside of the CRM. Now, when a sales rep finally goes to look at a lead, they have all sorts of information. So instead of them just saying, oh, I have a lead, right? They now have a lead where they have every single bit of information they could ever need on why they're going to reach out to them, how they're going to reach out to them, how many times they viewed the pricing page, um, how much revenue does this company have? So it just, it really takes your data to a whole new level and allows those other tools to do the personalization or the humans using those tools to do the personalization. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's take, for example, segment or um, uh, autopilot. And let's say like a core mix, because this is all super exciting and super, uh, you know, super insightful. But also, I think it can become a bit too much for somebody that never did it. So just to show how, like, how somebody should look at building a tech stack on top of a CDP. So let's say, you know, if until today you are running your marketing on specific channels, you had bit of bits of data from each of them, and then you are maybe running some remarketing campaigns or abandoned cart in e-commerce, uh, or, you know, like these specific campaigns after your tracking was identifying specific actions from your customers. If you're running a CDP, then you'd be able to use the CDP to distribute these automated actions based on the data that somebody would be attributed, um, you know, from the, his interactions with your brand. So really getting to that single customer view, uh, as we call it in marketing. But if you were to add on top, so for example, you are integrating first LinkedIn and uh, Facebook and Instagram and uh, I don't know, maybe uh, your email marketing. Uh, by the way, uh, the type of CDP that we address at the moment, does it integrate with a, a, proprietary, a proprietary email marketing automation tool or do you typically pull that from other place? I typically try to make it so that my CDP is where my all my integration is, and then everything else gets integrated with the CDP. Um, so I typically try to make it so the CDP is my only customer um, data pipeline, and that's where I'm sending all my data. Mm -hmm. But naturally, these things get set up in a myriad of different ways. But usually, want the CDP to send the data to the automation tool. If you're lucky, that automation tool has a two-way integration with your CDP, and they are constantly recycling data, right? Which is a really common thing, as we want to recycle data throughout the entire system mm -hmm. uh, to get those things connected. Um, but there's a lot of ways that you can integrate these tools. And if you're just starting out, right, don't blow up your entire stack to roll out the CDP. Use the CDP where you can obviously connect things the quickest. And then over time, you're going to want to transition those things. But I don't feel like you need to blow up your entire stack on day one when trying to roll out a CDP. 
Mm -hmm. um, but for example, for being able to use some of these types of personalization, like somebody viewed my page three times, I want to show them this push notification on web or mobile mm -hmm. or something like this. What would be some tools that people could look at in order to get a glimpse of what it would mean to integrate something like that, either in their current stack or with the CDP? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one thing to help people kind of really understand this one, uh, I wrote a book on how to build the modern stack. So if you just went to our website, maga.io, um, so M-C-G-A-W.io, um, you'll be able to get a free copy of my book. And the, the book is called Build Cool Shit. It's your blueprint for building the modern MarTech stack. So that book will make it really, really easy. It's a short book to read, uh, really, really helpful, but we'll kind of explain how you should integrate all these tools together to get this set up. So I think that'd be really good. Um, but I think the, the easiest way to think about it, right, is if if you're trying to get all these things connected, you're going to need to be able to set up what's known as a data taxonomy to understand what are the actions people are happening, and then what is what are the properties that are associated with those things. And if you're really interested in learning how to design a data taxonomy, once again, just go to our website. In the footer, there's a downloads and resources section. In our resources, you'll be able to find a webinar which is talking all about how do you build out a data taxonomy. Um, anything that I tell you today, you can find on our, on our website for free on learning how to do it, um, and the data taxonomy will teach you. Um, you need to have the data taxonomy to set up basically all this tracking and understand how it's all supposed to work. That tracking would be rolled out through Google Tag Manager to get it live onto your website. Just like you, if you have conversion pixels for um, AdWords or LinkedIn, roll them out on Google Tag Manager, uh, get those things set up. And then naturally, the data is going to flow into whatever tools that you then send it to from Google Tag Manager uh, to then build that out. But if you're really trying to create more actions, right? Somebody does this on my website and I want to be able to add them to this retargeting pool or I want to send them an email. You don't need a customer data platform, right? That's where autopilot would come in and do all of that work for you, right? If you set up autopilot, um, you can build a journey inside of autopilot really, really easily. Once you drop their JavaScript on your website saying, if somebody visits this page, do this action. Um, and they have form trackers and stuff. So if somebody fills out this form, you can see that without having to write any code. And that's where autopilot is super, super valuable. Um, so like based upon some of the examples that you're providing, I would say like, you don't even need a CDP, right? Just use autopilot and autopilot will get you most of the way there. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Okay. Uh, very cool stuff. Now let's see, let's go a bit back to the customer. Like we were talking from the marketer's point of view. I mean, it's still from the marketing marketer's point of view, but looking at the funnels and the way that a company's customers would interact with its marketing messages, communications, etc. Uh, I know a lot of, of your expertise in is in optimizing these conversion paths and conversion, like getting your funnels to convert better. So um, let's get a bit into this um, this subject and look also at uh, the different marketing tactics of or optimizations that can be done along the way to either growth hack your, uh, you know optimization level or just to make them uh, convert better really at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I think when, whenever we think about the, the buyer's journey, right, we have to remember that there's four distinct parts of the buyer's journey that you have to kind of take into consideration. And you can look on the internet and look up like what are the parts of the buyer journey and they'll be explained. But we try to always follow the four-part process, right? Somebody has awareness, right? Once they become aware of you, they then need to research you. They then need to consider you and then they can purchase, right? So they have to walk through those four stages. So whenever you think about your buyer's journey, you want to kind of lay it into that framework to make it a little bit easier to understand what are the types of 
messaging that I need to provide them as they go through that. So when we think about the awareness stage, awareness would be, of course, anything that you're driving off of your website to get somebody to your website, right? So any of your advertising channels and things like that, we need to think about where our customer is in that journey. So we're now making them aware. And every business is a little bit different, right? And you have to think about it when you think about Google, people are trying to solve a problem. But when you think about with people on Facebook, they're just viewing Facebook. So even though you're making them aware, right, in either one of those channels, you have to understand what are they trying to accomplish. So you really want to make sure that your messaging focuses on what are they trying to accomplish on that medium. So when you think Mm -hmm. about Google, they're trying to solve a problem in many cases, right? They're looking for an outcome. And you very luckily can create the outcome that they're searching around. So you really have to think about that. Um, And on the flip side, with Facebook as an example, they're not looking for an outcome, right? They're looking for their friends' posts. So you have to create something that's going to be enticing and as well as something that's going to get them to become aware of your product without trying to necessarily solve a problem you don't know the answer for, right? So sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to focus on the outcome a little bit more in that case. And that's going to change on all of these advertising platforms, from LinkedIn to Pinterest to even cold outbound email. You really have to understand the the medium that you're reaching out to them is going to change the messaging that you should use for that awareness stage. And then on the flip side of that, right, when somebody clicks on one of those ads and comes to your website, probably want to have a custom landing page, which is going to be tailored to whatever that outcome that they they, they clicked on there. Your homepage, of course, like if you just have people that are coming to your homepage, right, they're going to be made aware that your brand exists through that. So you have to match the messaging to whatever your value proposition is for whatever awareness channel they're going to get there, right? So that's where like you really have to take a, take a step back and understand like what are my customers trying to do at this moment in time, especially when they're in that awareness stage. They're just becoming aware that your brand exists. So we need to keep it very, very high level and focus on, of course, whatever that value is going to be for them. Mm -hmm. I think the greatest thing that I always try to tell marketers is nobody cares about you. We don't care you exist. We don't like you. We never want to know that you're there. Um, Marketers have to understand this is nothing to do with them. This is everything to do with the customer. And marketers typically only think about themselves. And I I hate to say that, but it's true. Marketers always think, well, what would I do? And it's like, nobody cares about you. You're not the customer. You're not buying this solution. What does your customer want? What does your customer want to do? And that awareness stage is really, really important. Um, now, you have to understand is once somebody becomes aware of you, right, they then need to research you. They have to be followed through this buyer journey. And that's what's really important. I think a lot of companies miss this, is that they don't try to control the customer journey enough so that way people can properly give research. And you'll see this on every single site you go to. You visit the home site or the homepage, and the first call to action is buy now. It's like, I just got here. Like, I didn't even know, like... You sell, you sell flip-flops. Like, I, okay, you want me to, I, why are you better, right? You've got to provide that opportunity for them to actually do research to know why you're better, right? And I think that's really important. We see this happen a lot where people are just driving for the sale the entire time. Well, they still have to research. They still have to consider you. So provide them that opportunity and they'll buy, right? They just, they'll bounce if you, you get rid of that stuff. So you have to give them the opportunity to understand and research what you have. So provide that information to deliver it to them, carry them down a customer journey on your website where you're allowing them to give research, explain the value props, give them the pieces of information they need to make a valuable decision. And that's really going to help you. And to, to optimize that funnel, and we see this as an example all the time in online education, The online education playbook is super, super simple. I'm aware that you have a product or course, which ultimately is going to teach me something where I have a problem. Okay, great. I hit your homepage. Let me click on a button that says, show me courses, right? Show me all the courses you have. I want to see what you have. I can research and see how you're different. I then get to the next stage. I see all the courses you have. Well, naturally, I'm researching to see if you have all the courses we have. Part of that research journey is I then click on a course that I care about, right? Okay, I want to learn how to do, I want to learn how to be a stay-at-home chef. 
right? And then click on that course. I didn't go to that course. Well, the next thing I want to do is, is this content going to be any good? Is this going to be fast enough? Are they going to have the topics we like? Is the person who's doing the class, are they as good as Gordon Ramsay, right? Like we want to make sure that we have that. Well, the best way to allow them to research that is to give them a video on the page so they can see how the course is structured. And then of course, to give them access to that course for free for either the first lesson or a short period of time. So they can then research that and figure out if this is a valuable purchase for them. Mm-hmm. But naturally, they're going to consider that purchase purchase against many other uh, like things they have, whether there's competitors in the marketplace, whether they're going to learn it on their own, whether they're going to learn it from YouTube, right? They're going to they're gonna do their own research and then they're going to consider their decision. Your job is to make sure that when they do that research part, like everybody's going to do, that you come out on top. So you want to make sure that you give them good language there, you give them good help, you give them good service, um, and you stop thinking about, oh, well, I already know this product, so I don't need to explain it. Make sure you explain it, right? That's pretty straightforward. And last, like I had mentioned, like or next, you have the consideration phase. This is really where marketing automation, analytics really comes into play. You should be retargeting them. You should be sending them emails. You need to keep yourself top of mind during that entire consideration phase. So you have to make sure that you follow that general purchase or process. And then, of course, the last stage is purchasing, right? We need to be able to get them to that purchase process. And we want to make that as easy as we possibly can for those people. So going back to the top, right? Awareness needs to be matched to wherever they are in the buyer journey, right? What product? Are they uh, getting information? How are they how are they being made aware of you? When they're doing their research and stuff like that on your website, you need to make sure that you give them good information, good copy, good images, good explanations, uh, pushing them down that funnel. Don't talk about yourself. Talk about how you solve their problems. They need to be able to consider you against whatever options they have. And during that time, you just need to focus on staying top of mind. And then lastly is purchase. So if you try to break it down to those simple four steps, it makes it a lot easier to look at each one of those pieces of the buyer journey and understand what type of communications you should be offering. And I think that's a, a, a basic fundamental that most people just miss. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and what are some very... Uh, often uh, encountered mistakes that you you saw from clients when you first started to work with them on this? Yeah, I think the, the first one is always trying to go for the home run on the homepage, right? Everybody's trying to get them to buy as soon as they hit your website. And I think that's a really, really bad example that we typically see. Um, people start with imagery first. They don't start with the copy first, right? First, you've got to get the copy written down. You've got to get the value props written very, very well uh, and get that going. Um, the next one I would definitely say is everybody talks about themselves. And as I will always say, nobody gives a fuck about you, right? Like nobody cares. You've got to start talking about it from the outcome that you're going to create for your customer, right? Like we are the best CRM ever. Ha. It's like nobody cares, right? You will close more deals by using our CRM. Okay. Now everybody cares, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to back that up with, of course, research, right? You have to allow them to be able to see how do you make this statement? Um, That's the number one problem I would have to probably say that we see everywhere is everybody's just talking about themselves um, and they need to talk about their customer and they need to talk about the outcome that they'll create for their customer. Um, Now, don't get me wrong. There's times that you need to say like, we do this, right? And that's super, super helpful. Um, But there's, you need to make sure that you're trying to put it back on the value benefit that you will create for that customer. Um, I would say that probably the next one that we, we see the most is over-designing a page. A really, really simple one that everybody does is you probably see that staggered content where it's like image on left, then image on right, image on left, then image on right. I'm not sure if uh, anybody else knows this, but whenever you read a book, you don't read left page, then right page, then left page, then right page, then left page. No, you read the left and then you move to the right. You should do that for the content on your website as well. Uh, put all the text on one side, put all the images on the other side. 
put all the images on the other side, but don't stagger it. It really makes it hard to read. Yes, it looks pretty, but I'm not in the business of looking pretty. I'm in the business of making money. Um, so I think staggered content is always going to hurt you. Um, and I think that's a big one. And focus on capturing emails. Um, capture emails, capture emails, capture emails, capture emails. Your strongest channel will probably always be email if you focus on capturing enough leads. Um, Excuse me. One of the reasons why our business is so successful and why we consistently stay successful, we've created an amazing amount of valuable content. And then we tell people to give us their email. And then we leverage that email to keep them up to date with our content. And we're mm-hmm. always putting out content. But we focus on getting that email. If you went to my website, right? Like it's not always telling you, hey, buy now, right? It's saying, hey, go check out our free tools, go check out our blog posts, build that relationship. Um, but capture more emails. That's always the big thing that we focus on is getting more emails. Mm-hmm. Got you. Okay. Uh, and one uh, point that I think we didn't specifically go into, but I really wanted to touch on it before the end of the episode was, uh, you know, leveraging advanced automations without having to pay loads for it. So um, two questions here. First of all, I know we were talking about leveraging uh, Amazon-like automation, but without the budget. And the second was in terms of getting to this next step, what would be like an average or a minimum budget that somebody should allocate when they are looking at revamping their marketing stack and, you know, just to get a a bit of a feel for what it would mean in terms of financial resources as well. So this... Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think the first part, how are you going to be able to create personalization like Amazon? I I would definitely lean on a product like uh, Autopilot, right? Going back to that, that tool that I had talked about, Autopilot does some really, really cool stuff uh, and it's super, super flexible from a marketing automation standpoint. It can also create pop-ups on your website. So I would definitely say that would be the tool that I would lean on the most there. Um, but there's another tool that's out there uh, that's a little bit newer. It's called ConvertFlow. Um, that product is amazing. It integrates in with products like um, Active Campaign, Autopilot, HubSpot. It enables you to recognize who that user is on your website and then personalize your website based upon that user. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very Amazon-esque, right? Being able to make it so that the consumer will see what you want them to see based upon their previous purchasing history. So uh, I would definitely say ConvertFlow uh, is a really, really good product for that. It's really, really helpful. Uh, they'll do all your pop-ups. They'll do all those things as well. So Autopilot tied with Convert. Flow. If you have a customer data platform and are tracking everything, I mean, definitely some crazy superpowers there. And none of the tools that I've said so far are all that expensive, right? With Autopilot, you can get started, I think, as low as $20 a month uh, with the product, and then it ramps up from there. Uh, with ConvertFlow, I think it starts at $40 a month, so and then ramps up from there. Uh, I know Segment, you can get started for $100 a month. I know they have a free tier, which is pretty limited, but mm-hmm. for $100 a month, you can get, you can get started there. And we work with multiple clients now that um, their marketing budget is really, really small. So as an example, one of our clients is using Amplitude. They're using the free version of Segment. Uh, they're using, I think, the lowest version of Pipedrive and the lowest version of Autopilot. And they're maybe spending $100, $125 a month. So you can really get a lot done um, with these products if, you're not, if you don't have crazy volume, right? Now, if you have crazy volume, now you're starting to get it much more expensive. And I'll just use our company as an example. I can't talk about all of our clients because it's kind of confidential information. But as an example, like our website, right, um, is we have uh, UTM.io, which is one of our products. Um, UTM.io, which is really helpful for marketers. It will allow you to have data governance on your UTM tracking code. So if you're using a UTM spreadsheet or you're going online and using one of those forms, 
just go to utm.io. The free plan will crush it for you. It has a UTM spreadsheet. We'll give you a Chrome extension. It's super, super awesome. But with utm.io, it gets about 10,000 visits a month uh, to its website. We have about 15,000 customers that are using the product uh, on a pretty active basis. Um, Amplitude for that product is entirely free, so we don't pay any money for that. Autopilot runs us about $500 a month for that product, so definitely add some cost to it. Um, but it's very, very valuable. Uh, we have segment installed on that product as well. It's about $150 a month for that product. So uh, really isn't all that crazy expensive. Um, and those are the main ones that we would really have to pay for. Google Analytics is still free. Google Tag Manager is still free. Google Optimize is still free. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're really only paying for Autopilot and Segment. Everything else is, is pretty much taken care of. I mean, unless you consider Help Scout, which is our customer success tool. So to build a marketing stack, you don't need a bunch of money um, you really just need to know how to integrate it and how to set it up and which tools are better. And that's where I would say, go check out a free copy of my book. Like I talked about, just go to our website, magal.io. You'll be able to get a free copy through the site. And my book will tell you how do you set up this stack as cheap as you can um, and how do you integrate it to create all the kind of cool outcomes that we talked about, whether that be lead scoring, personalized experiences, um, or advanced reporting to actually know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very, very excited. I, I love it. Uh, you know, it's these episodes that we actually talk about practical stuff and uh, tools and everything that I think are most appreciated because there's so much information from from everywhere, but nobody really yeah. does it until the end. So it's always good to, uh, you know, even for our clients, the same, like they hear solutions from us, but it's the first time they hear them. So it's very good to to get to get more opinions about something so you understand this is right and is the right thing to do. And then to yeah. be able to also check out information further. So definitely thanks for, for the free book as well. Uh, I'm sure yeah. that everybody that is going to download it, they're going to find it insightful. I also had a look into your background and everything before the episode and before we got a chance to meet. So I know <laughs> the information there is, go- is good. So you guys tuning in, make sure to check it out. Uh, you'll have the link in the description of this episode as well. Um, and now, since we are getting close to the wrap-up of the episode, then uh, what I was thinking of is discussing a bit about what you guys are doing with the agency at the moment and uh, where what's your plan for 2021, uh, what's the type of clients that you work with, any announcements that you have that you think are, you know, you can <laughs> give out to the world and you'd like to talk yeah. about. Yeah, I mean, 2020 has been an amazingly crazy year for everybody, right? So COVID has been really, really hard. Um, We were very fortunate in the beginning of COVID. We acquired one of our competitors, a company called Bard Analytics. So uh, it's been a pretty, pretty uh, impressive year for us. So we're we're trying to build on top of that growth. Um, In 2021, I mean, we're going to be quadrupling the size of the company. So we're about 15 people right now. We're going to be going up to about 60 people this upcoming year. Um, So definitely a lot of growth is planned. Um, But we're just doubling down on our content marketing, right? Content marketing, I think, is definitely huge for everybody, right? Like I would just tell other companies to double down on content marketing, figure out like what is going to be your stick and how do you need to do it? Um, But we're focused on hiring. So if anybody here is ultimately looking for a new position, uh, we of course are hiring. You can always go to our website. Uh, The careers page is in the bottom of the page. I mean, that's my number one focus for next year. Uh, and I think we're gonna pr- we're probably gonna roll out one or two more products this year. Um, UTM.io has done very successful. We've we've had that product public in the market for about three years now. Uh, that product is growing at a really really good clip. And then this year we're gonna launch an A/B testing tracking tool, and then as well as an A/B testing prioritization tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so those products will come out in the middle of 2021. Um, and our, the cool thing about our agency is the whole point of our agency, right? Is we never I never meant to start a consulting company. It just kind of happened. And our strategy with the consulting company is to do really good work and solve 
solve hard problems for our clients, but to also find unique hard problems which nobody else is solving, and then to build our own products around that. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to continue to do that over the next uh, forever uh, and the next few years uh, and continue to, to focus on building cool products. And we'll always have the consulting business, and then we'll always have the software products that we're going to consistently just roll out. Um, some of those will possibly be sold. Some of those will stay inside of the company. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of see. I mean, naturally, the world is its own oyster. So we'll kind of figure it out as they go. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But if, if you're looking forward to following along, I mean, definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. Follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's where I'm most active. I'm not a big Twitter fan. Uh, just too much garbage going on in there. So follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, and then naturally, go to magon.io um, and go to our blog, check out our content, sign up for our newsletter, stuff like that. Um, but like I said, get a free copy of my book. Um, it is a real book. I, I unfortunately forgot to uh, bring one into the office today. But um, it's an awesome book. And then sometime in later 2021, my uh, next book will come out, uh, which is going to be focused more. It's going to be more deep on how people can do all the things that we do. Because uh, I want to help everybody be, be good at marketing technology, right? So uh, that's kind of us in a, in a nutshell. That's so exciting. Uh, I, I think running a, you know, like a, the consultancy in the software um, business in parallel, I think it's a very healthy uh, business model. And, you know, yeah. no surprise, you're, <laughs> you've been growing so quickly. Uh, best of luck for next year. Really excited to see uh, how things are going to be evolving. And uh, also for the new tools, maybe we can organize something like this um, when you are getting closer to the launch and actually you can give a bit more insight into, you know, what's the plan with them. Maybe if you have something exciting, like exciting going on on the marketing front as well, because I'm sure you are probably planning this out over this couple of months. Um, but until then, Dan, so great to have you here. Thanks so much for the time and the insight and for being on the show. Um, guys tuning in, make sure you check Dan's resources out. And also, if you have any questions, make sure to reach out to him directly or to me, and I'll make sure to transfer them to Dan and see if and how we can best answer them. Uh, also, if you need somebody to uh, liaise for, for you know, building your, uh, like optimizing your CDP or things like to do with the marketing technology side of things, after you have checked out his book, make sure that you, I mean, uh, Dan, I think everybody can reach out to you for some advice right yeah uh, absolutely just yeah linkedin hit me or... up on linkedin i'm more than happy to help super cool okay so until next time dan thanks so, thanks so much again uh really big pleasure guys thank you for sticking around and for tuning in hope you found this insightful looking forward to any feedback that you might have and uh yeah see you soon have a nice thanks one thanks so much